Relationships. They could be really fun and encouraging, but they can also be really painful and difficult. And we all have relationships in our lives. Maybe parents and kids, friends, siblings, spouses. They're people that are close to us and we live life with. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how to grow in our relationships with others and make them better. Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. Keep in mind those relationships in your life, and over the next few minutes, be thinking about how you can apply this message to those relationships. Today, we're talking about conflict, not how to avoid it, but how to confront it and have healthy conflict. And speaking together today, here's Pastor Aaron and Sarah. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good, good. Um, my name is Sarah, and um, this is Aaron. <clears throat> we're the pastors here at NCC. Um, so pumped you're here this morning as we're kicking off this relationship series. And if it's your very, very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Maybe you're listening or watching later on in the week. We're thankful that you're checking out NCC. Um, listen, we're passionate about making people and places new. We want to come alongside of you and help you as you grow. And I think this series will be a big part of that. I'm pumped yeah. about it. I'm I'm really excited about this series. We're going to talk about relationships. Um, We're calling it He Said, She Said. And we're going to look at the different perspectives and what God wants to speak to us. And so I'm really excited about this because this morning I get to speak with Sarah and get to share with her. And then as we walk through the series, we're going to have other couples that are going to be sharing. And then on the last week, we're going to take this um, stage and fill it with a panel And so people um, that are here that um, some couples, some that are single, they're going to be sharing from their experiences. And as we walk through the next few weeks, this isn't just about marriage. Um, So if you're here and you're single, what we're going to be talking about is going to apply to all of us. We're going to look at relationships with um, parents and kids. Um, Some of you may have older kids, younger kids. We're going to look at that. We're going to be talking about relationships in your workplace because we have issues in the workplace. We have conflict and we want to look at how do we have healthy friendships in in our family. It also will apply to um, those of us that maybe you're dating or you're married and what that looks like as well. And so we're going to cover a lot of different things as we walk through this together and kind of look at um, what our relationships look like and even the different perspectives that we bring as individuals to the relationships that God has given us in these places in our lives. And We'll just start by sharing a little bit about ourselves. And so we have been married 21 years, going on 22 in July. Um, we want to take you guys back. July 25th, we 90, 1998, babies. right there. So <laughs> that is our, our wedding day. And, um, and man, this has been a crazy, <laughs> crazy 20 years. So in case you don't know a lot about us, we have eight kids. And um, God has added to our family through the miracle of adoption. And so um, I think that just proves how crazy we are kind of along the way, all that God has done. We've been serving in ministry and serving the church for about 20 years. And so we've had an opportunity um, to work with students, to work with couples, um, to kind of work with all different types of individuals in different places. God's kind of opened that up. And then just as I looked and I thought about our lives personally, God has really placed um, kind of this burden 
and this desire to help people in their relationships. Just looking back over the past 20 years, we've had single moms with their kids living with us, college students, um, people walking through crisis and through difficult situations that we've opened up our home to. And, um, and even just as we've done foster care and how God's blessed us through adoption, we have this heart to see people in their relationships be healthy and to grow and maybe to learn from maybe past experiences and all of those things. God's really blessed us. And so I love how we've learned along the way. I feel like every time we sit down with people, we learn something new and hopefully we're able to share from our experiences. And that's what we want to do this morning. Yeah. And if you've ever had someone who's not related to you, or I guess someone who is related to you, live with you, move into your home, y'all know about conflict. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, So we've wrestled through a lot of those things, little things, big things. Um, But today we're talking about conflict in relationships. And whether, again, you're married or unmarried, if you're young, if you're older, you have faced some conflict. Um, And I can't help when I think about conflict, (laughs) not thinking about our very first fight. Yes. So I was just telling the kids about this last week. So this is a disclaimer. This is not... um, one of our theological debates. Because we had those a before. A lot of those. Yep. Uh, we went to Bible school, so we'd argue about everything. Yep. But this was like our first real dating fight. Yep. And it all came down to a pair of Fila jeans. These were designer Fila, Fila jeans, you guys. Okay. Not my jeans, guys. His jeans. Yes. His designer <laughs> jeans. So we would hang out in the lobby of our dorm because, we, again, we were at a Bible school, so you didn't, like, go in each other's rooms. So the dorm was kind of the public, the lobby was a public area. So um, we didn't have any money. So we were, like, coloring. We had crayons and coloring books. Cheap date ideas, you guys. (laughs) Cheap date ideas right there. Color together. So we were sitting there coloring together. And I don't remember exactly how it started, but I'm a 1,000% confident that you started it. But he definitely started something. And I reached out with a washable crayon and crayoned on his jeans. And he lost it. Like, (laughs) lost it, inferno, out the top. Where I legitimately was sitting there looking at him like, is he joking? This is absolutely ridiculous. And then he walked out of the lobby not to return. I was like, what just happened? This is ridiculous. So I've like gathered my stuff and I was hanging out with some friends and about an hour later he comes walking into the lobby again with his little crayon jeans. <laughs> and he's got a York peppermint patty, which was my favorite candy at the time. And we didn't have cars. I'm telling you, we were dirt poor college students. He'd walked like half a mile to the store to get me a York peppermint patty to bring it back to say, I'm so sorry oh, about yeah. the jeans. <laughs> I may have overreacted. <laughs> Here's a piece of candy. <laughs> The stain came out, by the way. It was all good from then on. But I learned a valuable lesson about Aaron and his jeans that day. But this is the funny thing about conflict, right? Like, in the moment, it feels so intense. Later, most of the time, you're able to kind of laugh about it. Or you think, what were we fighting about then again? You forget. But in the moment, conflict feels really, really heavy. And so we do want to face it. We want to deal with it. We want to talk about biblically what we're supposed to do when it comes to facing conflict. And first of all, acknowledging why conflict even happens is really, really important. Sometimes we recognize there's conflict, but we never take the time to stop and think why it's even there. And I think a lot of conflict happens just because we're different Mm -hmm. 
We're different from each other. If you hadn't noticed, <laughs> there are people who grew up differently than you. Um, you students go to school and work with people who are ve raised very differently, have different sets of values. The majority of the conflict in our world right now is because we are different from each other, and we just don't know how to deal with those differences. We struggle with knowing, how do I connect with you if we are different from each other yeah. with our values or, or with how we talk to each other, the words that we use or the cultures that we come from. And sometimes I think it's just acknowledging, hey, we are different from one another. I deal with this professionally when I'm working with organizations and I, I do an assessment and really the whole point is just to acknowledge, hey, do you see yeah. how you're wired and you see how my brain's wired? They're wired very differently. In fact, Aaron and I are polar opposites. Yes. <laughs> so we see things very differently from each other. And I think when we see those differences, if we can acknowledge that of someone that you work with or even parents with your kids or in a marriage relationship, it helps the conflict not be personal. Yeah. So I realize, hey, you're not attacking me or, you know, it, it's just that we're wired differently. And so acknowledging, acknowledging those differences, that can really help. I'm laughing yeah. because the kids know this, but Aaron has started to practice this at home. Yes. When I'm coming from a different perspective from him on an issue, he'll say out loud, you're not attacking me. You're not attacking you're me. You're not attacking <laughs> this me. This is fine. You're not attacking me. <laughs> so... This is getting real here you this morning, you guys. <laughs> so that was not in the notes, Sarah. Okay. You so, said to go wherever <laughs> I wanted to go. So, so. <laughs> acknowledging our differences. Um, another thing is because we want our own way. So conflict happens when we want our own way. And we're going to walk through a number of different scriptures. You can write some of these down. You can turn them. But James chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. James talks about this. And James um, is an apostle. He's one of the disciples, and he's um, writing to the church, and he's challenging them in a lot of different things. There's a lot of great wisdom in James about what we say with our mouth, um, about our faith, and then he gets into why we deal with conflict, and it says this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And so James is hitting right at the heart of conflict. And he's saying, hey, one of the biggest issues is we just want it our own way. And if we're to be honest, sometimes our way doesn't really matter. You know, even as parents, sometimes like we're trying to make sure our kids do it our way, but, but it's really not a big issue. And so as we're dealing with conflict, we need to at times look, hey, is this just my preference? Yeah. Like this isn't a heel to die on. This isn't a battle to have. Is this just my preference? And it's totally fine if they do it a different way. And that's what James is talking about. We need to evaluate that because so many times the fights that we get into, the struggles that we have, it's because of that. It's just our own desires. We want it to happen our way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, like when you see a toddler, right, you know they want it their way. Like we expect that. But the truth of that is that doesn't go away. Yeah. We just get more sophisticated in our methods as adults to get our own way. We have our own ways of wording things or throwing a fit at the counter of McDonald's because they didn't do it the way we wanted. Like yeah. We have our ways of trying to make everything in the world according to the way that we want it. But the truth of the matter is, again, sometimes yeah. 
That's not really the most important thing, and we have to acknowledge that. I think, too, like, a lot of this happens just because of sin, like straight up just because sin is in the world. And so if you go back to the very beginning uh, of Genesis in chapter 3, you know, God's created the the world. He's given everything that Adam and Eve have everything they need, right? Like, they have all the food they could ever want. Um, they, They don't need clothes. Like, they are taken care of. And still they choose to live outside of God's plan. They want to do it their own way. So they choose sin. And if you look right away, so God's coming to look for Adam and Eve. Now, let's just note, God's not confused. He knows where Adam and Eve are. Adam and Eve don't know where they are. And so he says in um, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 11, Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And what does the man say? It was the woman's fault. She did it. That's the first conflict. It was all her. (laughs) Yeah. And what does the woman say? It was the serpent's fault. The serpent talked me into it. Like from the very beginning of sin entering the world, we, we cover ourselves up. We separate ourselves from one another. We start to blame other people for our own mistakes. Like that's what sin does. And so sometimes what we're seeing in ourselves really legitimately is just sin. It's insecurity. It's us trying to protect ourselves either from our own sin or from somebody else's sin, because let's be honest, sometimes other people's sin does hurt us. And so we learn over the years, instead of being vulnerable, instead of being open and honest, we kind of start to protect ourselves. And when people get close, we get a little threatened and there's some conflict in the relationship. And sometimes we just have to acknowledge, man, as long as I'm yeah. following Jesus, I'm going to be battling sin in my life. It's going to yeah. be there, but I can continue to keep pursuing and trying to live like Jesus and acknowledge that it's there. Yeah. I think one more thing, and, you know, we talk a lot every time we meet with couples that are getting ready to get married. I think we've even shared this before on a Sunday morning is unmet expectations. Like that's a big deal as we look at conflict and, and unmet expectations. Sometimes these aren't verbalized. Like you think, um, you think something like maybe you should know to buy me a dozen red yes, roses on my birthday. But we've Aaron. never said that you guys, but you so, should know. Yeah. So that's an unverbalized expectation or of course my kids are going to pick up their room, right? And they know to put their clothes in the laundry hamper, but I've never said that. So, Unrealistic expectations. Yeah, so, so that's our expectation. Once again, some of these are verbalized. Your coworker says, Hey, I'm going to get you that document by the middle of next week. That's an expectation, right? They've said that to you. Now it's been verbalized. Your boss says, hey, you've been doing good. You're going to get a raise this next quarter. That's an expectation, right? So expectation. And then um, on the other end of that is reality, okay? It's Friday of next week, and they never emailed you the document, right? Your spouse said they were going to pick up groceries, but you open up the refrigerator, it is empty, right? That's reality. So very personal. <laughs> so, so all of these things that happen, right, it's the difference between expectation and reality. And that gap right there is called this, frustration. And the bigger the gap, the bigger the frustration. You need to realize that. So um, when your family member, friend, whatever, your kids say, hey, dad, I'm going to be home at 10 o'clock and 1005, 1010 rolls around. It's a little frustration, but not that much. But when it hits midnight, okay, you guys, and Micah still hasn't gotten home, 
That's a lot of frustration right there, okay? That frustration has grown. I just threw him under the bus. He's, he's really great about that, so that doesn't happen. But if you understand that, hey, the larger the gap, the larger the frustration. If you're really feeling frustrated, it's probably a sign that expectation and reality, have they've expanded a large gap. They're not meeting up. Um, at all. And that causes a lot of frustration. This is for real. One of my favorite things. If you can get this down, this will help so much in every area of your life, whether it's at work, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your family, um, because 90% of the time that we face a conflict, it's because of this. And most of the time we haven't even defined what our expectation is. Yeah. So how can somebody else meet it? We don't even know what it is. We just know we're frustrated. And so you start to learn. I just faced this a couple weeks ago. I had a rough day at work. And instead of reacting, the whole drive home, I was like, why am I frustrated, Jesus? I need your help figuring this out. And once I got to the place where I realized what was causing the frustration, it really had only a little bit to do with other people and more to do with me and what I needed to do. And so if you can really start to nail this, it really will start to help to minimize that stuff. And it's not perfect. It's not perfect for sure, but it does really help a lot. Yeah, and I think a part of it is we have to stop and examine is are our expectations, are they based in reality? Because so many times, and I'll use dating as an illustration, is we think Hollywood is reality, right? The guy drives up in the limo. He has a dozen roses. And that's our picture of reality. This is what it should look like, right? This is even what marriage should be like. But that's Hollywood, you guys. That's not reality. And so we may need to adjust our expectations of, hey, yeah, I can't expect that to happen every single date night or every day of my life. And so what are real expectations, right? In your workplace with coworkers, yeah, you may need to adjust some of those expectations and really evaluate, hey, is this real? Am I expecting too much out of them? Or no, is this, yeah, this is a valid expectation. So kind of examining that in our own life helps us to avoid that conflict because it may be something we need to verbalize. Hey, I expect you to do this, my kids, a coworker, a family member, or it may be something that I need to adjust. Hey, that's unreal. I don't need to really expect that from them. And that's going to help as we look at conflict and as we start to work through that. Yeah. So one of the ways that we deal with conflict is through communication, and that comes up here, right? So one of the examples we give um, new couples, couples who are dating, couples who are engaged, is when Aaron and I first got married, I had three preschoolers at home. We're youth pastors. Um, We're still figuring out this marriage thing, and Aaron, if you know Aaron, he is like a 1,000 miles an hour. And so there were days where I had to say, hey. Like, I need you to be home around 5 o'clock. And so we'd communicate. We had to talk about that and wrestle through that. And if there were times you couldn't be home, we had to communicate through it. And so it seems really counterintuitive. Like, yeah, of course, we know we have to talk about this stuff. But often we don't. We avoid it. We have internal conversations with ourselves. But we never actually sit down to, to face the conflict and communicate through it on our own. And I love that Scripture gives us a straight-up process to follow. Like, I'm all about bullet points. That's my happy place. So um, if you go to Matthew chapter 18, he actually gives us some really practical steps to follow when we have conflict with another person. And this is what it says. If another believer sins against you, go privately, highlight that, and point out the offense. Don't blast them on Facebook. Don't tell your best friend 
don't gossip at work. Go privately and have a conversation with that person like an adult. Um, if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. Great, but if you're unsuccessful, then take one or two others with you and go back again. So everything you say is confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, and then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. Now, some of you all just went, wait, what just happened? Yeah, that right there is called church discipline. <laughs> And we don't like to talk about that a lot. But the truth of the matter is when society thinks of the church often, they think of pushovers, right? They think, well, you're a Christian, so you should be able to take whatever I throw at you. Oh, no, 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 honey. That is not what scripture says. Okay, we do give grace and we do forgive, but we do confront. We do deal with sin. Okay, we do face conflict head on properly in the right place with the right people. So we need to make sure that we're having conversations, that we're facing these things, and we're having biblical conversations. Look, I know it can be hard to have an awkward one-on-one -on -one conversation. You can ask our kids. <laughs> Angela was just talking about this yesterday. She's like, whenever you guys say, hey, can you come down here? She's like, all the bad things I've ever done run through my mind. Like, what could I possibly have done? Did I do anything wrong this week? <laughs> Like, I know it's hard. I know it's awkward. But it's so vital that we learn to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah. And so we try to do that in our house. And I always prep our kids. I'll say, hey, this is about to be a really difficult conversation. May even be a little awkward. But we're not going to run from it. Like, we're going to talk openly and honestly. And once again, you may bring that into your workplace. You're having a conflict with someone. You may need to sit down and say, here's what I'm feeling. Can you help me understand where you're coming from and what's going on in this situation? And so we want to communicate. But what I think of is we also want to make sure we're communicating at the right time. And so there are some things, uh, once again, we're not avoiding conflict, but that are a red flag. They're a signal of this may not be the right time to communicate. And so we want to communicate, but maybe not in this moment. And this is how we talk about this. We say halt the communication and halt just stands for this. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that is not a good point to get into that conflict conversation or to begin to deal with that or open up a conversation. So those of you that just did 21 days of prayer and fasting with us, you know that first one, right? Like that day you fasted breakfast or if you fasted all day, that's not the point where you want to dive into that deep issue of, Hangry hey, this is has a been real bothered. Thing, yes, so, it's real. So sometimes um, when I'm feeling really frustrated with Sarah, I just need to go grab a snack from the pantry. And that kind of takes care of it. You know, that deals with it. And then going on down the line, you know, angry. If I'm being driven by my emotions, you know, and I can't get a hold of myself, once again, that may not be a good point. I may need to just say, hey, I need a moment or two to kind of process what's going on inside of me. And then we're going to come back and talk about this. And so once again, you know, we try to practice this in our household. If I'm feeling lonely and isolated, that may not be a good time or, or tired. So do not plan to have that, um, that deep conversation with your spouse at 1030 or 11 at night. Okay. That's almost never going to go well. Or with your kids, like really late at night, there may be those moments where you just say, Hey, 
we may need to pause this and we're going to come back to it tomorrow after we've had a little bit of rest. So, yeah, and I always yeah. like to mention, so this lonely one sometimes throws people a little bit. I know it can throw me. Um, so what we mean here is when you're feeling disconnected from people, yeah. that might mean you're frustrated with them about the disconnection, not really about the issue you think yeah, you're frustrated about. Good. So that's where you halt and you think, hey, do I just feel disconnected? Maybe I, I feel like I'm frustrated with Aaron, but we just haven't had a date in a while. Like yeah. We just haven't gone out by ourselves with nobody else, with no kids, and just hung out. And once we hang out, I'm like, I don't even remember what I was going to talk to him about. Yeah. So you want to focus on what's really the issue when you're having those conversations. And again, the right time, sometimes we get, and, and I'm going to say this, okay, sometimes females particularly, we can get on a mission. Like, we're like, we're going to solve this. We're going to sit down right here. And we're going to hash it out. Um, and sometimes that's not the best policy yeah. because, yes, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. That doesn't mean... <laughs> That you keep your husband up till midnight so you guys can fight it out, okay? That's not what that scripture yeah. is saying. We want to make sure we're processing healthfully, right? Yeah. That we're dealing with these things well. And also that we're respecting the differences between us. Yeah. So listen, when, when I, the house I grew up in, we didn't deal with conflict. Everything was passive aggressiveness. Uh, it was, if I was frustrated with you, I wrote you a note and stuck it on your door. That's how we dealt with conflict. Did anybody else? I mean, that's how my household was. We just didn't have difficult conversations. And so this can be really hard for me, but whenever we went to, we were blessed with a marriage and family therapist that just loved us that we got to work with in college. And she went through our engagement counseling and made us do the, when men are from Mars, women are from Venus yeah, or whatever. Anybody remember it. that book? Yeah. Um, that was kind of the beginning of people starting to acknowledge and understand, hey, there are differences. There are general differences between males and females. There are general differences between me and you. And sometimes I don't have to make you like me. Yeah. We just need to respect the fact that we're going to see things differently. In our house, we say, Sophie, agree to disagree and Walk away. away. That's what we say. There are times we're going to just acknowledge we're not going to see this eye to eye, yeah. and that's going to be all right. Yeah. And uh, in all the relationships that I have, I'm not trying to make you like me. And I think sometimes we lose that perspective of, I just need you to do it like this, or I need you to see it like this. But that's the beauty of our relationships are those diversities that you don't see it like I do. And that brings something else um, to the relationship, to the dynamics of, of what is happening there. And so we do, like we respect the differences that we have with one another. Even you want to say that proverb? Um, yeah, you want to you do that one? Yeah, so yep. so Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. This is one of my favorite verses. Says iron sharpen iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another, and so that's why I think our differences often actually help us become better. Yeah. Rather than me trying to make you like me, together Aaron and I are polar opposites in almost every way. Um, rather than me trying to make him like me, we can actually sharpen each other, and we're more powerful together than we are on our own. And that's the beauty of the diversity. Yeah. And I know it's a strange thought, but conflict actually strengthens those relationships. And that's what that's alluding to is that it's sometimes that difficulty, that grading against one another that makes us better. And so once again, we don't want to avoid that, but we want to lean into that. Another thing while we're dealing with conflict is just prayer. 
and we so underestimate this many times is just stopping and looking if we're praying for one another. We see this in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Jesus has just been in some difficult conversation with some religious people. They were called Pharisees and scribes, and they're kind of just picking at Jesus over and over again. And it's, it's caused, you know, some some big feelings in Jesus. And he goes up on the hillside and he's looking down over the city. And he says this, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and it's desolate. And Jesus just begins to pray for this city that his heart is broken for. And he doesn't keep on arguing it out with the Pharisees or the scribes, but he takes a moment and just withdraws and says, God, this is what's going on. My heart is just broken for this city and how they keep on rejecting your word. They keep on rejecting your messengers. And he's open and honest. He has this conversation with God, working with students for so many years. Um, and I don't want to stereotype, but many times students have big feelings and big emotions and there's big drama surrounding their lives. And so I would challenge them. Hey, just begin to pray for one another. Because when you pray for someone you're in conflict with, one of two things is going to happen. Either the conflict is going to stop or you're going to stop praying for them. Both of those can't abide simultaneously. And so either you're going to get so frustrated you're going to stop praying for them or that prayer is going to begin to change your heart and your perspective. And all of a sudden you begin to give compassion and forgiveness. You see it from a different perspective. So just praying for that person at work that's really upsetting you, you need to stop and ask yourself, God, am I doing that? Parents, if you're frustrated with your kids, am I praying for them enough? Am I covering their life in prayer? And God, are you helping me to do that? So that's a big thing as we're looking at dealing with conflict there. Yeah, I think uh, that that section of scripture where Jesus prays over Jerusalem has been something deep in in my heart for a long time because when you're in ministry and and I think all of us in general we encounter hurting people a lot right and we have a saying again at our house where we say hurt people hurt people so when we're hurting we hurt other people and we don't often mean to if you've ever tried to help an injured animal like you know they're going to nip at you because they're in pain it's what they do and so when we're hurting we tend to lash out at other people just because pain makes us do some crazy things it just does and so sometimes what that prayer does is rather than changing the situation, it changes our hearts and it reminds us how to love. It reminds us, it gives us the heart of Jesus, the heart of compassion for them to remember. And one of the things that's been standing out to me the last couple of weeks, Jesus and I in our personal conversations is I am a problem solver. It's, it's one gift God's given me and I love to solve problems, but there is a problem I can't solve. And, and that is people because People aren't problems to be solved. Yeah. They're not. And, and so um, when I encounter difficult people or people who are hurting, it's hard because I can't make it all better as much as I would love to. I can't do that. And so God's been reminding me, hey, people aren't problems to solve. People, their attention to be managed. There's tension that we're going to experience with people that we're not ever going to be able to just eliminate. And it's not going to go away 100%. Again, maybe we're different. Maybe we see things from a different perspective. Maybe they're hurting and they're in pain. And so when I pray for them, when I'm committed to pray for them, I'm loving them the best way that I can. And God's able to do what only he can do in their heart, in their life, and bring healing and restoration. And I'm just staying connected to them with that same heart of the Savior. There's something powerful about that. 
So we want to challenge you this morning um, in your relationships. Don't avoid conflict. Don't avoid conflict. That's not the kind of people that we are. Um, last year, we did a course together called the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we talked about this, that as emotionally healthy people, it means that we don't run from conflict, that we don't avoid that. But we have those difficult conversations um, with other people. And um, Sarah shared this quote with me that a conflict relationship, conflict-free relationship is usually a shallow relationship. There's never any tension. If there's never any disagreement, um, it's probably just a very surface relationship. Like, we're probably not going to disagree a lot about the weather or what it's like outside today. You know, that kind of shallow conversations. But whenever we really get close to others, and we talk about that a lot, that normally it's the people closest to us that can hurt us the most, right? The people that we love the most that can really kind of know how to dig the knife in, you know, or they can get at us. But we don't want to avoid that conflict. We don't want to run from it. We want to have those open and honest conversations because we want emotional health in our life. Like we want to be healthy people, not just spiritually, not just physically, but also emotionally in those conversations. They help with that emotional health that we need to have. And so Proverbs talks about this a couple of times. You guys can write these down. Proverbs 9, 8 says, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. And it's talking about that. Some of that conflict, we can see, um, are we willing to take in people's wisdom and what they're saying to us? And, and we're willing to learn. Proverbs fifteen twelve says this, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. Well, we want to be people who are wise. And so we want to be able to have those conversations about what's going on here. Like, how are we, how are we going to deal with this? How do we move forward? And so we want to be people of wisdom and not just avoid those kind of conversations. Yeah. I, professionally, I don't know if some of you have ever had um, exposure to It's a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's by a guy named Patrick Lencioni. He's a business consultant. Um, but he deals with this from a completely non-biblical perspective, from a leadership perspective. And he says... That, that teams that don't have any conflict are not teams at all. Yeah. You're not actually working together. Um, because when you're actually working together and you have people in a room who are passionate and excited about something, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. We tell engaged couples all the time, if you don't have conflict, somebody's shutting up. Yeah. Somebody's not talking because yeah. when you're both excited and passionate and no matter how similar you are, you're going to have conflict. And so we want to make sure that, that we're not avoiding it, that we're being honest. Look, don't go looking for it. <laughs> but yeah. if it's there, we want to acknowledge it. And again, we want to handle it yeah. biblically because that is an opportunity for change, right? Mm -hmm. You guys know if you have a deep relationship with someone like a, a good, good friend, you have a story, right? Somewhere along the line, something tested you. You had a big fight. You had something that happened, whether you were little kids or you were teenagers, you were adults. You had a time where things were different, and you had to work through that. And then your friendship grew to a whole nother level because you dealt with that conflict. Because when we call those things out, that conflict is a red flag saying, something has to happen here. Something needs to change. Um, and often that's drawing us closer and closer together. Sometimes, you know, we, we deal with couples and people who've maybe even been through one, two, three, four deep relationships or, or even marriages. And sometimes when people get to a certain level of conflict, they quit. They drop out because it's just too difficult to actually keep moving forward. Um, but when you push through that wall, when you push through the conflict, you're gonna get deeper relationships yeah. and connections. And look, even in a church, 
I, we know people who say, you know, I'm, I left a church because somebody hurt my feelings. Well, first of all, you can't leave a church. You are the church. Yeah. So you can leave a community of faith. But you left. You had a, re, a connection and an opportunity to actually build a closer, deeper relationship yeah. with somebody else. And that's how we become family. Yeah. That's how we become the kind of church that Jesus sees us to be, where we're caring for one another and bearing one another's burdens is when we push through these things together. Yeah. So... Just one last thought that we want to leave you with is we're all going to face conflict and we want to be people of forgiveness and grace. And so whether it's in your family, once again, it could be a close friend. It could be at your workplace. We want to be people of forgiveness and grace. And we see this in scripture, the verse that Sarah just read where Jesus says, hey, here's how you deal with conflict in Matthew chapter 18. Just a little bit later, Peter asked Jesus in response to that of like, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Like someone's done something wrong and, and I, you know, I forgave them once, but, and, and he tries to act really spiritual and he's like, Jesus, what if I did it seven times? Like what if seven times someone wronged me and I kept on saying, it's a, like, I forgive you. We're going to work through this. And Jesus said, no, it, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. And for those of you that love math, that's not a math problem for you, okay? Don't start that's keeping track. That's not what track. that is. And, and he's not saying, hey, keep track. And when you hit that 490, then, then you're good. What he's saying is it never stops. It never stops. When we're around people, people that we love, people, yeah, that may frustrate us, you're going to have conflict. And he's challenging us to be people of forgiveness and grace. And here's why. Because you have a God who's modeled this for you. We were in conflict with God. In so many ways, we told God, I know better than you. I'm going to do it my own way. God, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And we were in conflict with God. And what did God do? Graciously and lovingly, he said, it's okay. I'm going to provide the way back to me. I'm going to offer my forgiveness. And even though you've disobeyed, even though we bring destruction into our own life, he said, hey, I'm going to cover that with my forgiveness and with my grace. And then as we receive that, what he's saying is, I'm challenging you to show this, to demonstrate this, to put this um, on a show for the world around you, that they would see this kind of grace, that they would see this kind of forgiveness, that this is the kind of God that I am. And so we're going to have conflict in our life. The question is, we can use that once again to show the world a God who is amazingly loving and forgiving and gracious to us. And so we're called to demonstrate that to others. And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment, bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on what we've talked about here this morning. If you're in this room, you may be examining your own heart. And the first thing I want you to examine is, God, am I living in conflict with you? God, am I doing things that are outside of your plan and your design? God, have I lied to myself and I've believed that maybe I know better than you do and I'm going to do it my own way? And if that's you, once again, the Bible says we can't fix ourselves. We can't make it right on our own, but we can come to God and we can ask for his forgiveness. Or maybe you're in this room and you're in serious conflict with someone else. And it's a coworker, it's a family member. It could even be a spouse or someone. And you're in conflict with someone else. And I want to challenge you 
that this week that God would encourage you to offer that same forgiveness. And if that's you, if you're in either of those situations, Aaron, I'm in conflict with someone else. I'm in conflict with God. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift up your hand with no one looking around and then you can put it back down after you've lifted it up. Thank you. Thank you. After you lift it up, thank you. You can put it back down. I want to pray for you. Thank you. I'm going to lead us in prayer, but just right where you're at, would you have a conversation with God about what you're feeling and what you need him to do in your life? God, we come before you. And whether it's in this moment, God, or sometime in the past, Lord, we realize we've been in conflict with you, God. We've disobeyed you like Adam and Eve, Lord. We tried to do this on our own, and now we humbly come to you, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness, God. We ask for your grace, God. We acknowledge our sin in this moment, Lord, and we're praying for a brand new start, God, a fresh start in our life, Lord. Do something inside of us, God, that we can demonstrate your grace and forgiveness, Lord. For those of us that it's a marriage relationship, it's something at work, God, it's a friend or it's a family member, God, help us to be gracious, Lord, with what we've talked about this morning, show us the way, God, not to run from conflict, but Lord, to be able to have those conversations so that healing can happen, so that relationships can become stronger, God, so that we can be the people that you've called us to be and demonstrate your forgiveness and your love to those around us, God. Let us be that kind of church, Lord, and we pray this, God, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Who's that person in your life that you've been avoiding conflict with? This week, have a conversation and address that issue. And maybe you're not afraid of conflict. So your step this week would be to extend grace and forgiveness. Just listen to the Lord as he leads you this week. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. And we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.